Welcome to New City Sermon Podcast. Join us as we open God's Word to be empowered and challenged today. Comedian, actor, provocateur, Ricky Gervais was the host. Definitely for his last time after his performance that night. But he got up in in a scathing opening speech in front of all of Hollywood, basically called out some hypocrisy that he saw, and said to everyone in the room, all the famous actors and producers, uh, so if you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about how the real world works. And it was just a funny moment because everyone was like, what is he doing? I don't know if you saw Tom Hanks' face. That was my favorite reaction. Tom Hanks' face immediately became a meme because he was so surprised at what Ricky Gervais was saying. But it's interesting. I was thinking a lot about it, and, and what Ricky Gervais was calling out was what he saw to be hypocrisy, what he saw to be hypocrisy from the people in the room. And... I don't know about you, but I find hypocrisy to be incredibly disorienting. Like, if someone holds a position, but yet is hypocritical in how they live their life, their position ultimately becomes a turnoff to me. Like, I'm not interested in your position because of the way you live your life as a person. Uh, That's interesting. That's just how we work as human beings. But I think that we're actually missing something if we only make decisions about our life and our politics based on other people's hypocrisy. See, what happens is, if we make our decisions in life based on other people's hypocrisy, we become a yeah, but people. A yeah, comma, but. Let me give you a couple of examples. A person says to you, abusing the environment isn't right. And you go, Yeah, but those Hollywood actors say they are environmentalists, but then fly in their private jets. You've missed the actual position because you're making your decision based on the hypocrisy of the people. Someone says to you, abortion is wrong. You say, yeah, but the people who protest abortion don't really care about impoverished mothers and life after the womb. And so rather than dealing with the position, you make a decision based on the people. A friend from another political camp, whatever that camp is, gives you their view about racism or sexism or immigration, and you've heard that push, and you've heard that pushback before, and so you go, but yeah, but you guys are just so inconsistent. I just can't take seriously any of the things that you say you believe. People's hypocrisy is real, but guess what? So is yours, and so is mine. I don't know one human being that perfectly lives out what they say they believe. There's not one human being in the history of the world who has not been somewhat of a hypocrite on something, on some level. Everybody is a hypocrite in some way or another. And if we make our decisions based on other people's hypocrisy, we might be missing something. People's hypocrisy has nothing to do with what God actually cares about. And we're not called to shape our lives and our views based on who people aren't, but rather 
who God is. We're not called to shape our views based on the hypocrisy of others, but rather the character of God. And God's character really anchors us in how we're supposed to live our lives and how we're supposed to view things and how we're supposed to to do things because God is a God who's not a yeah, but God. He is an and God. And by that, I mean God cares about both righteousness and justice. God is an and God who cares about personal holiness and social good in the society. God wants us to be unstained by the world and be just people in the world. God cares about sexual purity and the oppressed. God is an and God. And today in this shorter sermon, we're going to spend a good amount of that time actually just reading the scripture. Because I don't want you to just take my word for it on who God is. I want you to see it in God's word about who he is. I'll point out a few things for you as we go, but let's pray, and then we're going to go through some different scripture. King Jesus, we pray that you and your word would shape our beliefs, our hearts, and our views on things as we read your word today. In your name we pray and for your glory. Amen. Let's start off with 1 Peter 2. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Isaiah 1, wash yourselves, cleanse yourselves, remove your evil deeds from my sight, stop doing evil, learn to do what is good. What's the evil and good? Pursue justice. Correct the oppressor. Defend the rights of the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come, let us settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. Psalm uh, Deuteronomy 10. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords the great, mighty, and awe-inspiring God, showing no partiality and taking no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the resident alien, giving him food and clothing. You are also to love the resident alien, since you were resident aliens in the land of Egypt. You are to fear the Lord your God and worship him, remain faithful to him, and take oaths in his name. Psalm 139, 13. For it was you, the Lord, who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Luke 1, when Elizabeth heard Mary, Jesus' mother's greeting, the baby, which was John the Baptist, leaped inside of her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 13, and I want you to catch how many things God cares about in this one passage. Remember those in prison as though you were in prison with them, and the mistreated as though you yourselves were suffering bodily. Marriage is to be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept undefiled, because God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or abandon you. 1 John 2, do not love the world or the things in the world, 
If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, he tells us exactly what he means by the term the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride in one's possessions is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world with its lust is passing away, but the one who does the will of God remains forever. Philippians 2. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. And then I want you to catch the ands here in these last two passages. Pure and undefiled religion before God is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. And here's the other and. Can you say and? And to keep oneself unstained from the world. Jeremiah 9. This is what the Lord says. The wise person should not boast in his wisdom. The strong should not boast in his strength. The wealthy should not boast in his wealth. But the one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, showing faithful love, justice, righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things. This is the Lord's declaration. It's the word of God. We hope you're inspired by God's word. What have you learned so far? As you listen, pray about applying it to your life. Let's continue in God's word. God is an and God. God is an and God. He is a God of both righteousness and justice. When we use the word justice, as Christians, sometimes we're not exactly sure what we're talking about. Justice can mean punishment for wrongdoing. And as Christians who love what Jesus has done for us, we understand that there is a punishment that we deserve from God for our sin and rebellion against him. But that punishment was put on Jesus on the cross. God delivered justice not to us, but to Jesus. Jesus became, in a sense, the criminals that we were on the cross. God poured his wrath out and executed justice against Jesus instead of us. But that's not everything the word justice means in the Bible. Justice not only means punishment for the wrongdoer, it also means in the scriptures setting things right for the oppressed. If you notice that what we sang this morning from Psalm 82 in the scriptures that we read, the term justice appears around the widows and the orphans. And what that means is not let's go around punishing widows and orphans for their sins, but rather how as the people of God can we set things right for those who are in vulnerable positions in our society. In fact, if you read the Old Testament over and over and over again, you'll see four different categories that were to receive God's justice. The widow, the orphaner, the orphan, the sojourner or the refugee, and fourthly, the poor. Over and over in God's Old Testament, he prescribes that his people would not oppress those people, but rather give them justice, set things right for them. God was creating a society in the world that would not be oppressive, but would be just and would care about the, the lowest and the least members of that society. I mean, the song that we sang today, 
literally comes from Psalm 82, which says, provide justice for the needy and the fatherless, uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute, rescue the poor and needy, save them from the power of the wicked. When we first began singing that song here at New City, there's a brother who was part of our church at the time, and he just loved the Lord. He loved the Lord, but his politics leaned right. And as we sang that song, he really struggled. But we just showed him, this is literally from the Bible. This is literally one of God's concerns, that there be justice for the poor and oppressed. And that those rulers who do not function with the least of society in mind will be judged by God. It's right here in Psalm 82. Now, I know that social justice is a big conversation in in our society right now. We've we've talked about social justice over the last five years, uh, just due to various things that kind of really took off with what happened in Ferguson. And so what's happened, though, is this dialogue, this conversation about social justice, we're really wrestling with where it fits in our Christianity, in our faith. And so people have rejected social justice because they say social justice isn't Christianity. And so we've got to push social justice out of Christianity. But here's the thing. Any justice is social. It has to do with society. And we see throughout the Old Testament that God cares about his people being a just community. Whether that has to do with unborn babies or unarmed black people, God cares about justice, and all justice has to do with social things and society. And yet, at the same time, not all social justice is God's justice. In other words, the the conversation in our country is going places that we as Christians have to say, we believe a little bit differently about that. In other words, we believe that there are some things that are justice issues, but we believe they're moral issues. So, for instance, when it comes to sexuality, Now, we believe every single person that God has created should be treated with dignity and respect, and no one should have to fear for their lives, and as Christians, we should fight for that. And at the same time, not everything that has to do with sexuality is justice. Some of it's moral. Some of it's moral. In other words, we see a right and wrong where people see a justice issue. And so... All justice is social, and yet not all social justice is God's issue, is God's justice, because sometimes justice issues for us as Christians are moral issues. And so we have to be very discerning in this time, not to reject any talk about justice, because God cares about justice, but also not let the culture define what justice is, but let God define what it is. God is a God of justice. But God is also a God of righteousness and purity. James 1.27 that we just read, pure and undefiled religion. That, that means that the kind of faith that God wants us to live out, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. In other words, to be a people that care about justice and mercy for the people who are in the most vulnerable positions in a society. But it doesn't stop there. It says, and, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. In other words, not to let the culture tell us how to live our lives when it comes to money or sex or anything like that, but look to God and his character on how to live our lives. 
See, there's some people who are about justice, but they say, don't push your morals on me. I'll care for the poor, I'll protect the oppressed, but my life is my own and my body is my own. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says your life is God's and your body, if you're a Christian, belongs to Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul is talking about the power of the resurrection over our bodies and says this, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. He'll raise our bodies from the dead because we're in Christ. But then he says this, don't you know that your bodies are part of Christ's body? So should I take part of Christ's body and make it part of a prostitute? Absolutely not. Hebrews 13, the author presses in on us again. Right after each other, he says, the marriage bed should be kept undefiled because God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterers. But then he says, keep your life free from the love of money. Corruption is about greed and power, but also our sexual passions and our sexual practices. It's not one or the other. It's about both. One famous pastor said it's about what happens in the boardroom and in the bedroom. God cares about both. He is just and he is righteous. And if we take that seriously, we will realize that each and every one of us falls short of the glory of God. That we might think we understand how God wants to work in the world, but just like Ricky Gervais said, uh, we have no idea. God cares about justice, and God cares about righteousness. Jeremiah 9 says that he is the Lord showing faithful love, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for in these things he delights. What that means is that we tend to be, yeah, but people, but God is an and God because he's not like us. He's holy. He's different. He's perfectly just. He's perfectly righteous. He cares about personal holiness and societal good. He wants us to be unstained by the world and yet be a just people in the world. He cares about sexual purity and the oppressed. And all of us fall short of his glory. If we recognize who he is, we'll recognize that we are poor and powerless before him, as the song said. But the good news of the gospel is that Christ Jesus came to die for sinners. Christ Jesus came to die for people who were both unrighteous and unjust. Christ Jesus went to the cross to pay the price for our sin, whether it be being stained by the world or neglecting the poor in our society. See, so many of us have ignored God's concern for the poor. So many of us have disregarded the babies that God was knitting together in, in our wombs. So many of us have focused on the bedroom and not the boardroom, or the boardroom and not the bedroom. And the reality is, all of us, in some way, are thieves, murderers, oppressors, sexually immoral, 
victims and victimizer. We're, we're all hypocrites. And yet even hypocrites are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Even hypocrites are forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Your view on what's right and good does not embody all that God thinks is right. Your view on what you think is just falls short of God's view on what he cares about in terms of justice in the world. God is a perfectly just God and a perfectly righteous God. And yet, hypocrites like you and me are fully covered and cleansed. When we, tend, when we turn away from saying, I know it all, and turn to Jesus and say, forgive me and teach me. Jesus takes the worst among us. The worst among us. He loves us and forgives us when we come to him. But then teaches us how he wants us to live in this world. So that we change from being a yeah, but people who are constantly swayed by whatever the latest hypocrisy is to being an and people. A people who say, my God is righteous and my God is just and because he's forgiven me and taken me into his family, we are going to walk as righteous and just people. And Jesus has came. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you perfectly Love the poor and the sick, and yet you never fell into sexual immorality. You were righteous and just, and yet though we fall so short of the glory of God, you came to die for us. Though you were rich, you became poor so that by your poverty we might become rich. Lord, we long to embody your character Peter writes that we're partakers of the divine nature because of the Holy Spirit in us. And we don't want a people, we don't want to be a people that bases what we think is good just based on the hypocrisy of others, but rather see your character and go, yes, I have got a long way to go, but I want to go there. I want to be righteous. I want to live justly, just like my God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. And we ask that you would take poor and powerless people like us and change us for your glory. And all God's people said, Thank you for listening to New City Sermon Podcast. For more information, check us out at www.newcityhh.com. We'll see you next week.